Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hi, Haida. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Good, good, good. Now, um, your podcast, yes. The Doctor's View. Yes. Why? Why Doctor's View? Well, why doing the podcast? It's an interesting one. Do you know i I had a lot of uh, thoughts in my in my mind that I wanted to um, share, and I, I found myself sharing it with um, sharing ideas with people who actually weren't that interested in in hearing them. And um, so, and I could see by their their facial expression, I had this had strong opinions on certain things, and I I I try and find a way to almost engineer a conversation so that I could share this this opinion and um i'd look at their facial expression and be like yeah they're not they're not that interested and i thought i wonder if some people are interested in in this mm. and i thought oh well you know, I, I i always wanted to do something like youtube or something mm. along that line but i was always a little bit um insecure in a way to do uh to do a whole youtube thing um getting better at that but mm. um I thought, what about voice only? And yeah. you know, I thought that that could be that could be fun. Um, so, what kind of strong opinions you had that you felt frustrated enough to start a podcast? <laughs> uh, there was, there was a few. If you, it, re- it reflected a lot in my early ones. So things like the um, anti-vax movement campaign. Um, I, I'd see articles on um, on them, and they would annoy me they would fr- frustrate me and also um i had one on the uh what was it the healthier any size movement there's a has movement as it's called um and what's I, that about so um, that's about this idea that you can be morbidly obese and mm. healthy um mm. and it's it's led by people that um are very very overweight and they have this narrative whereby um there's there's they're completely healthy and there's nothing wrong and that that everyone else has the the problem mm. and now my viewers no one's got a is it for a personal point of view no no one's saying that you shouldn't love yourself or you shouldn't mm. um think you're beautiful or or anything like this nothing to do with a with an appearance perspective it's that's fine just don't try and sell the narrative to others that um you can be morbidly obese and healthy and they're saying i don't have any i'm not taking any tablets i'm not doing this it's like you're 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 not yet you know you might not have diabetes well maybe they are but they're not you know they're not being um honest uh honest yeah um because people who are morbidly obese i mean if i'm when i get 20 pounds heavier than my normal yeah you know i feel pretty shit yeah joints 
fucked up. My yeah. liver's, you know, I'm not totally drawn this, but I'm thinking, hmm, yeah. this isn't good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the final straw was when um, Cosmo, uh, the magazine Cosmopolitan, when they, they put um, a morbidly obese lady, I, I, I keep forgetting her name, um, on the front cover of, of Cosmopolitan, sort of saying, oh, big is beautiful. And, I, and I, I'm thinking you shouldn't be... Um, endorsing this this culture of of overeating and this that and the other it's like if you in the same way that if you put someone anorexic on the front cover it's the same same thing you shouldn't do that either put someone of a normal uh bmi normal size on the front cover then then i'd applaud you for it but don't uh go to this extreme because it's it's seen as a you know culturally or politically correct thing to do i think that's uh that's actually just to me a, a cop-out and i think it's actually quite dangerous and so i had had views on things like that and um what and also reactions i mean were they just sort of too busy with their lives or or they felt that um normal is just boring what were people's reactions to the to the podcast or so, no, no, to you sort of having these, you know, you you want to talk about these things, but they're just not interested. Yeah, I think they, they don't agree with you or, 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 or do they just don't want to be unpolitically correct? They would, um, they'd actually, the ones that were, the ones that were interested were actually, yeah, you've, you've actually got, got a point there. And um, a lot of people did agree and others like, oh, you're, bit, you're being a bit harsh. And I'm thinking, no, I, I don't think I am actually, because um you wouldn't be saying that i'm harsh if if it was on smoking or or on alcohol mm. or on or on drug use yet you know it's it's our biggest killer now um so why why am i being a bit harsh you know it's it's because it's a it, it goes we're living in a in a world where political correctness is becoming is engulfing our lives and it's stopping yeah. us from expressing ourselves perhaps or being too scared to say say the right thing even if what we're saying is there's nothing actually wrong with it and um you know you can't it's always fine to have to, to to accept being offended but it's never okay to to offend i think that seems to be the the narrative that we we seem to have and it it annoys me a little bit yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I love to offend. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love it. And, um, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not fair. I mean, you know, p- particularly the anti-vaxxers. I mean, even doctors now are changing their views about vaccines. Yeah. You know, proper trained doctors yeah. who've been in the game for a long time, but because the propaganda is so strong. The propaganda is massive, Hader. I mean, when I was when I was researching um, that podcast, the the anti-vax podcast, I and mean, th- this was actually more than anything, this one. I think I come across that when I'm when I'm speaking in that podcast. Um, it's the one thing that that very that frustrates me the most because um, I've I've met relatively, you know, we're we talking about intelligent human beings yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. who yeah. who have been sold this this idea and um we're running with it and and telling me no you're wrong about vaccines I, i've read this i've done it's like no just just no uh, and um i i break down the sort of evidence base in it and i uh go through that original paper talk about that original paper uh by um andrew wakefield and um sort of just just talk about how 
rubbish it was. I think it was a study of 12, 12 people, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just it's it, it boggles the mind how the tabloid style press um, yeah. headline can have such a big impact and uh, that's actually what I've been trying to do since is is try and uh, debunk some of the things so uh, even I think it was a couple of weeks ago last week I did did one on like fizzy drinks and health that was a big big topic and um, just trying to go through that headline and just go okay just take a step back and if you look if you read the article it's not just as, it's not as clear cut as you know you might think um and that's what i that's what i've tried to build build the podcast on and then in the interim just just meet meet some fascinating people as you know like yourself and and um met some met some incredible people who've shared some incredible stories and it's been lovely and they've been very well received so um, yeah i mean it's a problem you know uh, that you got so much pseudoscience out there yeah and you just need uh, a handful of so-called um, experts, i.e., you know, they've done a bit of training, they've done a, a few courses, they've got a doctor in front of their name, and they've got a few other letters after them. Yeah. And, you know, it is um, quite easy to, to sort of jump on that bandwagon and, and, and give it a lot of credibility and status. Yeah, very easily. Uh, and, you know, the majority of people wouldn't don't understand these things. No, and all it takes is to um, is is to say something convincingly. You know, if you if you um, and this is actually something that I learned in in med school in um, in in the OSCEs, You know, our our practical exams. If you had this idea that you, you didn't know what the answer was, but you stood up and you, <laughs> you know, and you said something <laughs> with with conviction, um, yeah, and it power. May, and power and said no yeah this is you know, you could create a, a syndrome i think there was a there was a bit of a joke there was a guy uh his surname was 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 pang and we thought um if you stand up and said i've no idea what this is but you think yeah this is pang syndrome and you and you gave a triad of of all the symptoms of of pang syndrome you know that you they the, the examiners would be like hmm you know uh what's that you know and and there's this element of of if you say something in the right way you can actually convince a lot of people to do very very silly things you know uh you got to get your voice out there mm. and but you know there's i think 700,000 podcasts now yeah it's it's growing so it's, so, something really crazy mm. um but at least it's your kind of voice getting out there yeah, it's and, nice. You know, particularly an intelligent voice and, and, and someone with reason and someone who's open to, to you know, taking criticism, mm. suggestions, dialogue. And I, I think that's really important. And from that, people understand that there is scope for, um, for you know, having a difference of opinion. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. And, you know, if we agree to disagree, and that's that's fine as well. Yeah. Absolutely. At, at least we know where you stand and where I stand, and then we can move forward. But the problem arises is when it does affect other people's health and well-being. Mm. And um, I mean, you know, mental health is big now because yeah. it's become a big buzzword. Yes. And um, you know, there are lots of people out there who who now help, particularly men's health. Now that's a big one now, isn't it? Everyone's a, a sort of a men's health coach. Or a mental health coach for men only, 
um, which mm. is, uh, mm, yeah, I mean, men are kind of pretty fucked up, really. Uh, <laughs> or a complicated bunch. It's it's interesting, actually, isn't it? The the different the different psyches sort of between between men and women in terms of how um, how it's you know, perceived to even the point where, like you say, we're doing uh, there's coaches just just for men now, and um, I'd love to see what the 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 difference between how they how they speak to the the male patients as opposed to the the female patients It'd be interesting to see the difference in dynamics of a fly on a wall kind of meeting for that actually i don't think they'll let you in paul i think it's sort of <laughs> trade secrets i know it's like no no sorry sorry and <laughs> and um i mean i'm i'm part of a few men's health groups and what i'm finding is that they just regurgitate ancient wisdoms essentially fair enough whether it's from Buddha or whether it's from Lao Tzu or whether it's from Martin Luther King and, and they just kind of regurgitate what they're talking about. No, fair enough. I mean, what would your advice be to sort of someone who needs help? You know, you you have a, yeah. I, I would say, a fairly skeptic mind that you want evidence. Yeah. And, you know, you're you're quite analytical as well. Yeah. So what, what would your three top tips be for sort of someone who, who needs help from a practitioner or advice i know it's very generic yeah but you know what are your kind of prerequisites that you go to to say look let's see if this is legit so in terms of going from working in a hospital environment so mm. i think would say three things from being in a, in a hospital environment i would suggest one um talk to someone anyone I think firstly this is um and this is this is goes without saying you have to speak to someone who hopefully in a in a position where they can do something be it your supervisor uh, be it a colleague you got to you can't just live it living silence to um let your family know I think they're the, they're the second people and um three I would seek advice from um your general practitioner or mm. um uh, if you're part of of a, a group like the BMA, um, they've got they've got fantastic mm. resources. Mm. They're they're the three groups of people that I would personally um, approach. Now, in terms of the prerequisites for us, if you if you if you want to go beyond that and go to see um, see a, a coach uh, or someone mm. who um, deals with this type of thing professionally, mm. uh, what the prerequisites? Supposedly professionally. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, you you found someone. You think, okay, I, I've spoken to these people. I've I've let my doctors know. I've let my um, let my bosses know. Uh, my colleagues. I've let my family friends know that things aren't you know things aren't going quite quite to plan at the moment. And now I want to seek some third party perspective from uh, you know someone I've never met. Um, what would the prerequisites be for that? I would say someone who doesn't promise um like you said a six-week plan um because you can't engineer um you can't engineer someone's mindset to to suddenly adjust in 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 six weeks or four weeks or whatever it is i think anything like that it just doesn't work you know um that's that could be to me false hope um so that's one two i would say someone who um has got experience 
in that field and isn't just um i say i use the word just for once for better phrase um but doesn't focus mainly on on other things so for example someone that deals mainly in uh relationship uh, advice or something like that and then goes oh, i can also help you with um you know with with your work work stresses and things like that it's like you're you're seeing 90% of your clients are coming in with this you know and, and you're going to help me with that you may well be able to but i think someone that's that's focuses and specializes on workplace stress and and burnout and and all these other things that that are associated with with the working environment um that would be my that would be my second thing um and thirdly i like again this is a personal thing but i like people who don't just wait for you to uh, have an epiphany um and by that i mean they're the people who who sit and just listen to you and tell you very little and they'll just they'll make you go through things and yeah how did that make you feel and this that, and that. that's fine um I, I i like people who will say to me straight do you know what no you're being stupid now you know mm. or, or actually give you give you sound sound advice um mm. and aren't afraid to to offend you and the majority of of people in this profession in that profession don't uh, aren't afraid mm. of doing that but they actually give you um feedback and give you advice uh rather than wait for you to to listen to that advice and it, it's different for everyone um yeah. some people yeah. prefer yeah. prefer to just talk and talk and talk and until they they realize it themselves um yeah I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree with you because something that frustrates me in the coaching sphere is this thing that, oh, you know, the person has the answer. So, yeah. you know, if you just sit there and listen and by magic, they'll find the answer themselves. Yeah. And, and which, that might be the case, but it, it, yeah. it can take um, two months for that to happen of, of a weekly thing yeah. or whatever, you know, whereas actually... Um, I, I've met. Uh, sorry, Karen. Yeah, I, I was going to say that the other thing that sort of gets me on my tits is this thing about, oh, I'm going to serve you powerfully, and I'm thinking, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> oh, I, I'm here to serve you powerfully. Mm. That really gets on my tits. I've never where, where I, haven't, I haven't come across that, that one actually. That's because you haven't been in the in the coaching no. sphere for for. for, for no, for no, not at all. I've... So many charlatans, so many bullshit people out there. Yeah. Just, yeah um, and um yeah i mean i guess you've got to just go there and see what it's all about really um yeah. actually don't go there because they'll sell you all kinds of shite I can um uh i got approached by one guy oh yeah linkedin is really buzzing and it's great could you uh send me a recommendation because it'll do wonders to my and i'm like right um, well, yeah, you send me one too as well. I, you know, I went to a mm. sales course, um, and he wrote a message back saying, "No, you do it first. <laughs> you send me a recommendation first, you know." Um, but as you said, it's very convincing. I mean, you know, he spent six to nine months sending daily uh, messages. Yeah about how his sales course is absolutely awesome. Yeah. And, you know, how you get all these um, thousands and thousands of, 
you know potential clients yeah and you know it sort of gets you into that kind of uh hypnotic uh trans mm. i said great so you know i had all these expectations and so on and i went to the to the course and yeah. i and I was, there, I was there for three days and i was like scratching my head and i thought mm, this is three days of bs yeah, and you know, I did spend a lot of money on it, and um, mm. and then I went and sort of talked to other people. But it's it's weird. It's it, it's probably all that sort of expectation, isn't it? You know, that sort of uh, unmanaged and unprocessed expectation, and we get carried away. Yeah, because I I think you almost um, I mean, there's been times where we've all we've all been in stressed, and and um, when you're going to someone for for help and advice because you're you're almost at a loss then you know you're, you're you've you've reached the end of of i don't know what to do and and you have this this hope that you're gonna go uh meet this person and talk to them and all of a sudden everything's gonna become magically better in an hour and you go there with, with almost such excitement that something's gonna cause this change and often that's that's not the case things don't don't change in an hour um and you're met with a little bit of disappointment and i think when you've um a lot of disappointment in in many cases <laughs> yeah it's true and and when when you when you then go home and then reflect on it and you've realized that actually um this this person hasn't hasn't you know they're not even on the right track or they're they're just uh i've just been talking for for an hour and a bit and um and they haven't told me anything uh that that makes it even worse you know when you go home and you you do get that disappointment you think oh yeah okay i didn't get quite the i haven't fixed the problem yet but yeah they're, they're onto something i'm gonna go meet them again that 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 to me i think that's the sign of a good um of a good good coach have you done uh, Jordan Peterson's uh, Know Yourself personality testing? No, I haven't done that. No. Yeah. So I did that the other day and it was quite revealing. And um, apparently I'm very, very volatile. I have a very, very volatile narcissistic, uh, not narcissistic, neurotic. Really? So apparently, yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, for him. The concept of neurosis is to do with volatility and withdrawal. So those are the two um, main subsets of being uh, a neurotic. And my withdrawal is okay. It's sort of 50%. That's not too bad. But apparently I'm very, very volatile, like 91st percentile wow. being very volatile. Which means, you know, I get worked up very quickly. Yeah. And when I do get worked up, yeah, it takes me a long time to sort of calm down and and mm. uh, back into a steady state. But then, uh, you know, a lot of these things, you kind of put yourself into that role as well. You start acting. Yeah. What what's been said about you or written about you. Or talked about you, you sort of get into that persona as well. So there is a risk of that. Mm. Um, and sometimes you start doing it, it's like, yeah, I'm volatile anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then you get more volatile. Um, but it's that sense of being like good and relaxed. I think that's important. So if something really, yeah, relaxes you, yeah, 
I think that's good. The problem is, 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 is when it doesn't relax other people and it causes chaos for other people. <laughs> like playing the drums or something, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does that work? You want to play the drums. Yeah. You've got thin walls and your neighbours are asses. Yeah. I mean, how does that work? How, how, I've never how known, to... actually. Um, oh. I've never known. I have actually wondered that before because um, we. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because we lived once... Um, many many years ago um and and the neighbors did did play drums and and you could tell they were very good and it was a you know there was a definite hobby of theirs and um but yeah it drove drove the neighborhood nuts you know every every day for a couple of hours you know and it's like what do you do what do you say to them you know stop playing your musical instrument or well you know you've got to have that dialogue isn't it it's hard i have that discussion yeah, you know, really someone cool. has to be brave and go over to there and say, look, we, we understand yeah. that, you know, this is your way of relieving stress, but it's really, really fucking us up. Yeah. And, you know, just sort of be honest and yeah, and uh, upset them, basically, because they're upsetting you. Yes, I guess it goes. Yeah, as we were saying earlier, it's OK to be offended but not to offend almost and all that no so, no you know you've yeah. got to tell people look i can't do this or this is difficult and you yeah. know what i like about your podcast is that you're having those discussions and they're not easy discussions to have mm. but you've got to have them yeah yeah I, I, and, I, you know you will upset a lot of people oh yeah you know yeah. people will not agree with you and whatever yeah. But you've just got to have those discussions. And I think having those difficult discussions is really, really important just to allow you to go through your thinking because you have all these different conflicting thought processes in, inside of you. you. You have to get them out. Yeah, it's... Um, no, it is important to get them out. And I think uh, if... I, th I think, Phil, if, if I didn't get this message out, even if it just helps... Um, just changes the mind of say like the anti-vaccine for example if it just makes five people more you know five 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 more yeah. uh, parents go do you know what no th this actually makes a lot of sense um i am going to vaccinate my child um mm. and that that to me is is job done in a way you know it's just yeah. it's just helping one one person two people it doesn't matter how many even if it's just uh, a positive thing that for a couple of people um i'm actually so, quite happy so with what, that. what's what's frustrating you now in terms of you being a a um a doctor in the nhs right now what are your three big bugbears that is not being talked about enough that's uh i would um i'm very lucky at the moment in that i'm working in a nice environment um mm. i would say uh from uh, from previous experience three three big bugbears and actually things that still still do bother me actually i would say number one um is the blame culture that we have um and what i mean by that is uh for people that don't don't work within the the nhs or within this type of system we have these things like uh incident forms for example where if something doesn't go quite right into uh, or, or we perceive something to be um a near miss and that that phrase is 
thrown around uh, very, very loosely. Um, it could be something as simple as um, someone not answering the phone, um, you know, and this, that and the other. And and you get put an instant form in and you're, if you're named on it, the bureaucracy that has to go, uh, that goes along with that is huge. And the impact it can have on someone's career um, when the, the person putting in that instant form has really got no idea you know and it's almost out of ignorance actually um that they they put these these things in just to almost show that they've done something um and using it as a weapon um i think the i actually did a put a tweet out the other day um on the back of of an anesthetist who who killed themselves uh who was under gmc investigation um an old consultant of mine put a put tweeted this article and um i retweeted it and and said you know uh using the gmc as a as a weapon um which it's constantly been doing even when i was at med school um is, this is one of the most detrimental things that have hap- that's happened in in modern day medicine um i think it's awful and i've been on the receiving end of of um of being named as you know even if i had nothing to do with with a situation but because I had seen a patient, um, I was one of the many, many who had seen this patient in that two-week period. I had to write reports. I had to do, you know, get called up to, yeah, and explain that I actually had nothing to do with this. All I did was say hello and, uh, did, you know, take blood or something, you know, something small or whatever it was at the time. And the, the you then have to declare these things on your um, on your yearly reviews and. And it's uh, the, the stress involved in something um, so ridiculous is is huge, and I think that that's my biggest um, my biggest bugbear, as it were. And I think ultimately, what that makes it that it stifles innovation. Yeah. And I think it, people might be thinking that that sounds that sounds weird, but we back in. The, not even that long ago, you know, we, we were prepared to take risks, you know, um, be it in an operating theatre, be it in a thing, and not not dangerous risks, but risks like, you know, there's we, this hasn't worked. Um, oh, do you know what? This might. Let's let's try that, you know. And whereas now you can't you can't do that for fear of um, you know being reprimanded, be and and if something if something went wrong, you don't get the thank you for trying at least you tried you'll get the why on earth did you do that that's not protocol and that's not how you get pioneers that's not how you create new things that's not how you create new new medicines new treatments and and new techniques um i mean even looking at the laryngeal mask which is the airway that we use in huge number of uh of anesthetic cases to keep keep people breathing when they're asleep that was created by an anesthetist uh during his on calls uh on night shifts for example and he was creating he was using um rubber molds and trying them out you know uh, uh and 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 trying them out on testing them himself on on patients you know and um and then you know, eventually found a shape that worked and it's revolutionized um revolutionized anesthetic care really and so I, that would is that happen. because we've become weak as a profession that we just roll over and die 
Do we need to be much stronger and just stand up for ourselves? I think, I think we have say, become. No, you know, I stand in front of the uh, panel and say, "No, look, this is ridiculous." I did, 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 did. Yeah, that I th- way you won't get much more bullying. You know, you, you do have to stand up for yourself a lot more. Yeah, I think we we are we are definitely weak, but equally at the same time i think part of the problem is you you're now um you no longer talk to humans um you talk to robots um in in that sense so you you get pulled up um by a a panel of people and uh you you try to explain something from a a human perspective and be like yeah you know this is um common sense this is what what i did okay it didn't work or or yeah, the reason why that was perceived as being an 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 incident, as it was, because of it, and they're like, "Well, no protocol says this, 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 and this. Uh, our guidelines suggest this, this, and this, this. You're you're suspended, or yeah, or or whatever it is. It's almost like you. It's like you're talking against the wall. The the outcome is decided for you. It seems you know before you once you've gone down that path, and and that's why people aren't prepared to go down that path anymore. And it's very sad. Um, I'd say that's my biggest um. Yeah, biggest bugbear. I mean, there is a movement to um, change the blame culture. Um, yeah. Uh, I mm. think it's called um, Learn Not Blame. I think that's the name of the movement. I don't know if mm. you've heard of it. I have, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've, yeah, I have heard about um, I have heard about Since this. Since the Barrel Garber case, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have heard about that and since that. And yeah, I mean, that that's... Uh, you know, um, I think there's probably a lot, but not enough people support it. I mean, that's the problem. You know, not enough of us support it. Yeah. It's different. You know, you know, uh, I am self-critical and I blame myself for not supporting it enough. Yeah. And, um, we keep talking about this all the time. You know, we do blame the leadership about this. Yeah. I think we can't get away from that. No, I mean, in our organization, when things do go wrong, Mm. I'm the one that's responsible yeah. because I'm in that leadership position and I can't get away from that. Yeah. Whether yeah. I like it or not. If 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 a person's not performing, if a person's having difficulty, mm. I'm just not uh pulling my socks up. Yeah. And I'm not doing the job that they brought me in to do. And that's just the reality of things. Yeah. Now I can't blame that person. I can't blame the system. I need to look within myself and think, shit, what what am I fucking up here? Well, you know, th- why, you know, why haven't I done this? And, and, and wh- whenever I, I reflect back, there's always something that I've done that just, you know, has sort of tipped the balance and yeah. made them go into free fall. Yeah. Um, and it's harsh, you know, um, and it's not easy because we all have massive egos, particularly doctors, you know, because we have to have massive egos to get into medical school and get through training and get through all the exams. Mm. Um, but you do have to swallow it. It's, it's, it's difficult. And I think, um, part of the problem actually with the, with the, with the leadership thing that, that I've noticed over the years is, uh, it's not so much who, who is the best leader for this, this job. Um, that's not actually what's happening. And, and they're then getting that position based on their uh, set and, and how good they are as a leader. What the, What's happening is it's it's almost become who wants to do this job. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had, um, 
so-and-so wants to do it uh have they had any experience no they were you know um a, a previous doctor or a nurse or, or something and then they and then all of a sudden they've gone f- from that to that with nothing in in the interim and um it, it's because no one else wanted to do that job and and that doesn't make them the correct person to do it unfortunately it's just just needs must almost and and so it impacts from from that level going down and um i think that's a big that's a big problem actually within within healthcare um it's making sure that the right people are are leading and and aren't just there by by de facto almost yeah you know. yeah which is why getting them young is really important you know to yeah. talk about leadership and to talk about uh, human interaction and 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 to talk about these soft skills yeah i think that's well, i think you know, you're that's right essential and you know having these difficult discussions yeah and um not letting the robots win yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely it's easy to be a robot yeah it really is i i think that, i mean, that, i would say that that goes on to my um the second biggest bugbear which is the sheer amount of of bureaucracy involved in in just doing simple things that the paperwork um involved you speak to any junior doctor especially a foundation year doctor who spends their life on the ward I, I think they'll i've yet to meet one who hasn't told me um that one of the biggest problems they face is is the sheer volume of of paperwork and um i mean there are there are cases that whereby the paperwork takes longer than the actual procedure you know and uh and th- this is something that we really need to 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 move away from i it's it's very difficult to to do because i understand the need for it in some ways but yeah it's got to be there's got to be a, a better way a streamlined way i don't know what that is but all i can say is i'm sure it wasn't like that 40 years ago 50 years ago and mm. you know they did all right you know and mm. so um a, a telling case would be when i'm doing obstetrics for example um anesthetic for obstetrics doing c-section off c-section you do do three or four in the morning or whatever and um and I, one of my good friends he he practiced in um uh, he trained in india and i'd say to, he'd say to me oh paul you know we would do 20 c-sections by now and I'd say to him, I said, but how? I mean, it takes it takes this long just to do all this all this charts and the 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 prescription and all the paperwork. And he just looked at me like paperwork, Paul. You know, and you know, yeah. it's like that was not the priority. The priority was to do as many C sections as possible and get get and make sure that everyone's healthy and and well. Um, and yes, that is obviously a priority for us too. But it seems to be. The, the constraining thing the time research thing seems to be the, the the sort of the the bureaucracy side of things rather than the actual um willingness to to do it and i mean this is where innovation comes in innovation yeah. and allowing people to fail and 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 learning from that failure so that we can make the system yeah the system better yes uh and you know taking away that blame culture yeah and allowing us to sort of find new ways of of not having to spend 80% of our time on paperwork. Yeah. And um I'd say my my final biggest bugbear and, and this one is probably the most um 
controversial. And uh, my biggest bugbear is I, I feel that uh, there is an element of deprofessionalizing um, within the within the NHS. Um, and I'll explain by that is again uh, on the back of on the back of political correctness and and all the rest we have this um we have this idea that everyone must be uh on the same everyone's voice must be on the same same level and i understand that and and i i i think bullying and this that and the other in the nhs is 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 awful and and should should be abolished i'm not talking about that I'm talking about the 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 things like um taking away white coats for example um and people going oh it's a it's a health risk uh, it's an infection risk it's like there's no evidence for that actually we we practice evidence based medicine for everything else but there's no evidence for that um not wearing ties and ro- taking your watch off cover and it's making you so the it's making you less of the you know it's taking away that seniority from you. So the, a doctor is the only person in the hospital that doesn't have a uniform, when you think about it. The porters have a uniform. They wear shirt and tie some places. The physios have a uniform. The nurses have a uniform. The receptionists have uniforms. They have the stripy tops on or the flowery top, and then they all wear the same top. Uh, whereas doctors nowadays, we, we look like a mess, you know, um, you know, sometimes. <laughs> and And... I, I just I disagree with this. Um, uh, I just I, I really do. I I think we should have um, a white coat and this that. And that's not for a that's not for status. Um, it's not it's not about that. I think we owe we have a right to be professional to look professional, and we owe that to our patients and. Um, I I sometimes get I I wear a shirt and tie when I go into work. I change into scrubs and and what have you. But um, and I don't need to. And and it's often met with quite a lot of you know uh, uh, teasing, but in 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 nice way. But um, you know, I I think it's important. And um, I think like I say, we we owe it to our patients to to look like we know what we're doing to act professional and and i think it also helps that that rapport and in the same way that if you're if you're in trouble and you're you're on in in the road in the streets and you see two police officers and one is in uniform and one is undercover wearing normal clothes you would gravitate towards the one in uniform Mm. because it's a it's a position of someone who looks like they know what they're doing mm. looks professional and mm. you're more inclined to divulge it, information to that person than someone who is dressed like they're going to the local shop mm. and that's not to say that that person's not a good police officer or a good doctor sure. or, but but it's 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 the perspective it's the perception that we have and so i think this this idea of um stripping away the uniform and uh yeah doing this I just think there's a load of political correctness. Where, where where's that agenda come from? This deep. It's purely anec- anecdotal, uh, from my side. Oh, so so do you mean? Um, I I think it's just. I think it goes along the lines of um, we we've got to abolish 
uh, hierarchy. It's a hierarchy. Yeah, we've got to yeah. abolish the. Oh, it's uh, it's this. It's like no. You look at all all successful things. Let's let's take the military for example. Mm. The military mm. runs on a hierarchy system. Mm. You know the 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 private who's just started is not going to mm. have the same. Cannot is uh, his opinion or her opinion cannot have the same clout as mm. the sergeant mm. because mm. people will die. It's very yeah. simple, and yeah. and the NHS is is the same. And this idea of trying to get, abolish that and making everyone on the same level, no, it, it doesn't doesn't work like that. All that ends up happening. I didn't know is, that was happening actually. That's that's how I feel. Uh, I'm, you know, like I say, it's probably the most controversial um, point that I've I've made, and I'm sure you know I might get a lot of criticism for that. And like I say, I'm not. Oh, I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you won't. But I, I'm not. Um, I'm not in any way implying that you know we should treat people like like crap you know and um and oh you know the the the, you know i i i I make the cleaners tea and coffee when i can you know it's it it, there's it's not about that it's um it's about actually having someone at the top with responsibility and that filtering down and actually acknowledging your your position in the hierarchy i cannot have the same um, clout and um, and um, strength in the workplace as my consultant because I'm not yeah. a consultant yet. That's yeah. what they're there for. That's why they've done that training and that's why um, they are in that position because they have that experience. And so if they tell me something or they, they say something in the theatre complex, I'm not going to override that. And I should not have that right to override that. I should be like, I should have the right to question it if i think it's it's ridiculous of course yeah, sure yeah. but um yeah. but it's not that's not what's happening what's happening is your um your ability to send for a patient or to um get an operation going underway it's not based on the whether the consultants or um the surgeons or the anesthetists are, are happy to do it it's based on whether there's it's based on uh, a bed manager who's never seen the mm. patient before or it's based mm. on uh, it's based on other members of staff saying no we can't we've got to wait for handover or this and yeah and no mm. that's not how that's not how this should work that wouldn't happen in the military mm. you know you imagine mm. you imagine that you know yeah. Um, yeah and that's that's the most um yeah that's that's the biggest example i can give you know and that that's yeah. when that's when and you're it's quite interesting war. that sort of artificial intelligence is is going to come in yeah and digitalization of the healthcare is going to come in so you know do we listen to the uh, the 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 app and the algorithm and the robot rather than the human being with experience and intuition and uh, uh, let's say metaphysical insight? Yeah, uh, apps is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I, I use apps uh, quite a lot, and it does actually scare me. The um, yeah, there's sometimes where I'm thinking I, I knew this like before, and now I'm relying on on this this app to to remember um, something trivial, you know. Yeah. Um, there is that, that like, like getting to workplaces. Like, well, I know the 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 route. Um, yeah. But I do it anyway, and I'm thinking, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Do you know? It's it's, it's very right because I was I was actually thinking this the other day. I had um, I had ways on, and I was thinking. I don't know why I've got ways on because 
I, I know this journey. I do it every day, you know. And um, and it's I more th- enjoyable. When yeah, I know. It. <laughs> it you is. Think, do you know what? I'm is. really enjoying seeing the traffic. Well, actually, I'm not enjoying the traffic. But you do, do you know what I mean? No, I know. I know. Stuff. I'm not looking at my mobile anymore. I'm not doing this. I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah. And you know, the the risk is. I hope it doesn't happen. Is that you know we're in hospital, and people don't look at the the human nurse or the human doctor mm. they're looking at the machine yeah okay what does the machine say now the machine says give them 70 milligrams of of lidocaine but you know you think to yourself yeah. well no let's let's listen to the yeah. doctor here. yeah absolutely I, and there's there's been definitely a few times where i look at i look at some of the sort of algorithm things i'm thinking yeah that, that that's not going to work for this patient you know <laughs> that, I, mean, that, for me, I mean you yeah. know for, for me we use um uh, technology to look at the neuro uh, retinal nerve fiber layer mm. thickness of that of the optic nerve to ascertain whether they have glaucoma or not. Sure. And you, you look at the algorithm and, you, and, and it says it's outside normal limits and it's bad. Obviously, the patient sees that. The technician sees it and the technician tells the patient, you've got glaucoma because yeah. they've looked at the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come and see me, and they're all stressed and and you know yes. pissed, pissed off. Yeah. And then I look at the nerve, and I know that's not glaucoma. Yeah. In my experience. How do you fucking convince the patient that they it's, don't have glaucoma? It's really and hard. Say, well, yeah. But doctor, the scan says it's outside normal limits. Even the tech. I mean, they don't say technician. They think they're a doctor. Yes. Oh yes, but the pre the doctor before you said I've got glaucoma. So yeah. you spend like in, instead of spending, you know, ten seconds saying you're fine, Mister Jones, off you go. Yeah, you spend like half an hour trying to, you know, tell trying them to convince that... them nothing's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's it's true. It's like oh, it's like yeah, it's oh, it's gonna get worse, mate. I, I know, I know. It's like you know, especially now someone, with Apple you know, Watches so, and stuff. So, so, someone who who's designed an app, and you know, convince the NHS to sort of commission their work. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas your 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 very experienced doctor who's been in this game for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, and fucking hell, they're they're retiring early because they've had enough. Yeah. Um. Yes, we are seeing that now. Uh. More and more people actually saying, actually, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't do this till I'm. You know, seventy or whatever. They they yeah. want the but retirement. But that's the case in all sectors. That. I mean, I'm in the I know. sector, and it's exactly the same thing there. You've got. People are very low seniority arguing with you about cases that they have no clue about. And you're thinking, fuck's sake, I know what I'm talking about. I've been in this game for a long time. Thank you very much. The risk is, or the problem is, is that once we bring apps into the equation, Mm. once we bring artificial intelligence into the equation, you know, are we shortchanging the next generation of of junior doctors and upcoming doctors? It's a very good point, actually. I, I, something I haven't really thought about, but yeah, as 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 people are coming through the the ranks now, um, coming through medical school and and seeing them, you're thinking, yeah, actually, your 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 entire thing is is uh, algorithm based or uh, protocol based, and I think I think that's that's another sort of little little bugbear. We we seem to be sort of um, being driven into into being robotic almost um in terms of our uh the way we treat people oh you've come in with chest pain this 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 and this you've come in with this and and so on 
And it's almost like, I think that's what the government was trying to achieve with the 111 um, helpline, you know, the the, the NHS helpline thing. And, and it, it doesn't quite work like that in, you know, you can't, not everything can be a, a protocol um, or a guideline or, or this. And you, know, you, you sometimes just have to be, you use, use the common sense that has been instilled into you uh bestowed upon you you know and uh use the use the intellect use the experience and use your colleagues and and your knowledge just to create an overall picture of of a patient and treat them accordingly uh, and appropriately and that uh, comes back to trust it, you know yeah. i think you either trust yourself yeah or you trust the algorithm or the system yeah and this goes back to sort of self-trust and self-love and self-understanding yes and you know i'm a real fan of that you know the more you know yourself you know your your areas that you 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 totally excel in and the areas that you've got shortcomings in yeah um that's the only way we're going to find find ourselves we can chat for hours and hours and I'm, i'm sure the listeners can listen to us for hours and hours and hours and um i was on your podcast and it was really really awesome because i was allowed to be myself and uh, you know I, I can get a bit crazy sometimes have moments and, <laughs> yeah i have my moments um and yeah. we're we're allowed to have our moments of course you know don't worry, i'll be punching anyone any <laughs> time <laughs> um so yeah, to, um, how how can people get hold of you and your podcast and yeah, tell us more? Sure. Um, so I'm my podcast is called A Doctor's View and it's on iTunes. You put A Doctor's View into there and it should come up. Hopefully, still comes up. It's uh, also on Spotify and uh, pretty much all the all the major uh, podcasting platforms out there. And um, also, I've got a website, a doctorsview.uk. And you can email me as well, uh, doctorsview at gmail.com. And always, I, I have a, I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has in terms of if there's a topic that people want me to to discuss, I, I'll research into it and I'll happily, happily talk about that. Um, yeah, and I'm on Twitter as at Dr. Bolivios. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, that's my name on there. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, been a good 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 fun time doing it good man yeah. thank you paul welcome thank you Hader. thanks for listening to this installment of the surgical spirit podcast for all the latest in the world of surgical spirit don't forget to follow on twitter at the third eye doc and catch me on facebook at the page the third eye doctor You can visit the website at www.thethirdeyedoctor.co.uk for more information on the work that I do. And please send us feedback and questions and suggestions for the podcast. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. I've been Dr. Haider Al-Hakim and I'll see you next time.